Hello and welcome to another The Analysis interview with Total Football Analysis. My name is David Seymour and I'm delighted to be joined by Wolves Academy Manager Scott Sellers. As a player, Scott played for the likes of Leeds, Newcastle, Bolton, Huddersfield and Blackburn Rovers, also representing England at under-21 level and since retiring has stepped into youth development. Hello, Scott. How are you? Yeah, good afternoon. All good, Chris. Thanks. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, Scott, I think the, uh, the the first thing I mean I, that I'd like to do on these is just to let you, I guess, give a bit of background as to who you are and how you got to where you are. Yeah, as, as you said before, I was a professional footballer for 20 years. Um, uh, like I said, played at variation of clubs, different levels, uh, and was really happy probably by the end of my career that played in all the leagues and actually experienced some football abroad in, in Denmark as well. So, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. And, and probably all uh, good preparation for a career afterwards where uh, I've gone into coaching and, like I said before, mostly in development, working at Sheffield United, uh, Chesterfield as assistant manager, and Manchester City as under-18s coach and also wanted to become an academy manager. Where, and then, then the last five years at Wolves as under-23s coach and then onto academy manager. Brilliant. And, I mean, I, I guess, obviously... The, the point of, of these interviews is to really sort of give a spin on the analysis side. So I'd just love to hear sort of your first introduction to analysis, particularly as a, a pro playing at the highest level. Yeah, I think the analysis is, as a player, I think is uh, you do a lot yourself. So post-game, you'll, you'll review and obviously you'll review moments. And then pre-games, you'll think about, you know, you would think about who you're playing, the opposition or an individual. So I think analysis is very much part of you as a player. So... I always thought it was really important. Um, the technology in, in sort of my playing career was obviously not not to the stage it is now, and the and the, the detail and the and, and the sort of uh, knowledge we can give to young players. So um, yeah, it wasn't really provided a lot in in terms of my career. It was if any career was provided, it was very much the full game. Let's sit and watch it. Uh, it was probably more when I get in, got into coaching that. Um, with the sort of software that was out there, that it could be used and, and, and sort of quickly recognised it was, from my own experience, a good way of teaching, uh, educating, um, a good way of building up relationships with players and, and trust. I think sometimes as a coach or a developer or a, whatever you do, sometimes it's great to sometimes A, prove a point and, and, and sometimes to admit that you actually, what you saw in the game was actually wrong. And, you know, as a coach, I'll admit, no, I didn't quite see that right. Um, and I will understand your point of view. So I think it's a good good one for creating trust with, with, between players individually and, and as a team as well. That's that's really interesting. I'd just like to, to jump on that little little point at the end that you made there. Do you um, sit down with players individually or is it a group session that you would go with? Across everything. I think in academy football, uh, the players are in so much now that you can sit down with them individually. Uh, you can go through group. Uh, I think when they're younger, uh, certainly in foundation age and development age, it's very much more individual about their development, about their strengths and, and the areas they need to work on. As it gets to more 18, 23, then you start to, to understand how to work as a team because ultimately that's where they're going to next is, is somebody's first team, hopefully. Okay. So as as they get older, what are, what are the differences in the types of analysis? Would you be spending a lot more time giving them analysis of the first team? I think that if you have a philosophy um, of, of working as a football club, then understanding what the first team do is really important. At Wolves, obviously, we, we, we have a, a certain way of playing. Uh, the first team play with three at the back, and it's something we do also at 23s, at 18s, 
uh, in the academy, we mix it around. We don't have a, a certain uh, system, but we do have principles of play that are very similar to the first team, but obviously consistent throughout the academy. Um, so, yeah, 18s and 23s, we will look at the responsibility, the profile of certain players, and that can go into your recruitment as well, of recruitment certain types of players in terms of technically or physically or in terms of their mental characteristics as well. There's, there's certain requirements for different positions. So, yeah, uh, analysis can be used. Uh, again, across all aspects. And how how much does the the focus of analysis and I guess your job just in general in itself change with, when there's a new manager or a new management team's brought in? Yeah, I think that um, ultimately, um, like I say I worked at Man City and I've worked at Wolves and I worked at Sheffield United as well, who had all their own philosophy of doing it. Um, I think understanding what you're doing and, and, and what you're trying to produce and what the objectives of at the end of it is very important. I think when you've got a football club like ours where it's very consistent in how we play, how we behave, how we train, and I think that makes that transitions for players very quickly. We, we certainly like to push our players through. If somebody's um, finding the challenge of his own age group too easy, then we will look at moving him forward quickly. Uh, if we see a player who is obviously a goal player, uh, and a player we've got thinks got elite potential, then we will quickly clear a route and try and get him through as quickly as possible, um, and, and certainly try and find the right challenge for him. So yeah, I think the philosophy of how you play, uh, I think, is vitally important, and I, and I think it helps certainly breed success as well. And I, and I guess just just building on on the the last question, what differences did you notice? Um, I guess in terms of analysis, but again in your job as well, when Nuno Espirito Santo came in. I think in terms of analysis, I think, I think um, not a lot. I think Nuno works very much on a very individual basis with players on on, on analysis and not, not so much on team. Um, so I think it's it's always about, I think as a coach, as a carry manager, whatever, he's seeing the good things that are out there and trying to implement it. Um, when Nuno first came in, I was a 23s coach and I sort of asked him if he wanted us to play the same way. And, and he, when he first came in, he didn't want it. He didn't think it was important. But obviously, as the club's progressed, I think that our way of playing is is is, is very uh, individual, and I think for the player, the players get an opportunity a lot to train with the first team. So we felt it was important that they understood what the requirements were for the first team in terms of tactically uh, and understanding. And we think that you know, you know, only has a small first team squad anyway, so players get plenty of opportunities. So it's in, it's important we help that transition. How how does um, so, so what percentage would you say of your job right now in your day to day job um, is spent on analysis? Myself personally, I think is um, will be more about the philosophy rather than individual players. Um, but then maybe one or two individual players that I work with more closely, uh, I will sometimes use it if I've seen something in a game at the weekend um, or over that week. So I, I would say at the moment, as I've got more towards academy manager, I would say because there's so much more to the job, I would say I've probably drifted more away to it. But I think one thing I am... Um, a little bit obsessed with is is understanding the strengths of what we do and you know why is the system successful. So I think the sort of philosophy I think is something that I'm consistently in talks with um, the analysis staff about really sort of homing in what makes our system so uh, successful or what the and, uh, and again what are the areas that we need to work on. And uh, I mean this might be a bit cheeky, but I'd be, I'd be delighted to sort of hear your uh, your opinion on this. What what do you think it is that makes Wolf system so successful? I think a lot of clarity um, on what they're doing um, and understanding um, that creates a lot of organisation, a lot of structure and difficult to play against and also very good players as well. 
Interesting stuff. I'd like to to really sort of um, go into more depth in um, in the sort sort of certain areas in academy life where analysis is used. So, firstly, I'd really be interested in hearing about training sessions um, and how it's used in training in training sessions in day to day Mm -hmm. training sessions. What's what's the general sort of practice there how much are coaches academy coaches expected to refer to the analysis as well i think analysis can can be done across everybody really i think we we analyze everything we do so we analyze warm-ups so for the sports science we will analyze the coaches so we'll do coach feedback uh, and obviously we'll analyze the, the session we'll sometimes do sessions uh prior to the session so this is what we're working on these are the reasons why um and then Pardon me, sometimes post as well. So if we've got the opportunity to do it post, whether we can do it off an iPad at the moment, um, we'll always try and find ways. I think I think players are very different, so I think you've got to find ways to um yeah, to get them to focus and, and try and really yeah, focus on what we're trying to do and, and the objectives and get them to understand and sometimes seeing something visually, especially for kids nowadays, I think it's really important to get their buy-in. And I mean obviously we talk about players. What sort of emphasis is put on the coaches themselves? How much reflection um, do are coaches encouraged to do, or are they required to do um, with analysis of their training sessions? Yeah, well, coaches have got development plans the same as players have, so individual development plans. So the the feedback will be used as what their objectives are as a coach. Is it to be, uh, you know, it can, is it to have more ball time on the pitch? Is it because they're talking too much? Is it uh, they're not giving enough information? Is it their organisation could be better? So there's always ways of developing coaches. I think academy football isn't always just about developing players. You know, we have members of our staff who now work in the first team in terms of sports science and medical and things like that. And I, I think for an academy, that's as successful as developing a player. So we're always trying to develop our coaches. If coaches move on to better things, you know, recently Rob Edwards, 23's coach went to work for FA. So again, that, that's a big part of our development and that his development has been with us for quite a long time. So, you know, we'll have uh, individual chats with him, development plans, uh, reflection on the video and what we see, and also sometimes reflection on um, on the games and things like that in terms of sometimes things we see there as well. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of games, something that I'd be really interested to hear about, and I guess this probably would link more to your experience in 23's, but perhaps... There is um there is a role that you take as as an academy manager with this as well. But I'd be really interested to hear sort of the differences between what you do pre match and, and also post match and I guess the um emphasis on analysis before and after. Yeah, as I said before, twenty threes is very much it's a last stepping stone. It's almost what we call university of football. So they're they're trying to get qualified. So we need to give them everything they need to go into a first team environment. So Prior to a game, they will do, um, you know, at 23's level, you'll get uh, videos of the opposition so we can look at their strengths and weaknesses. Um, so from a tactical point of view, what's their shape? How do they build up? How do they press? All them things are really key. Um, and then post-game, how obviously you'll be reflecting on what your targets were in that game, what were your objectives, alongside, obviously, what our philosophies and how we play. Um, I think if your philosophies... Um, strong and you've got a clear identity and really before a game you're only possibly tweaking things so your difference might be you may be pressing higher uh, it may be you're trying to isolate a player so there'll be little things that you're trying to tweak but, but always should be about how you play 
How how was this done when when you were a player, and what sort of changes have you seen throughout your career, both as a player and as a coach? I think that um, probably there was less em- emphasis on tactics in my playing day. A lot of time it was a, a lot more straightforward, so it was a lot of four four two against four four two. So it was a lot of one v one duels going on. Uh, there's so many different tactics, different styles now. Uh, the detail I think is is um is obviously more. Um, there's a lot more detail into how things are done. And I think analysis helps that detail and you can really emphasis and show something that you want to work on. So I think it was very much more player-led in my day as a player. Um, play, players would solve problems more within the moment um, and sometimes wouldn't. Sometimes it would have to be wait till half time for the coach to do it. A lot of tactical work was done on the pitch, on the grass. Um, so that was more done. That was where it was more done. Um but sometimes, you know, I was at certain clubs where very little tactical bits were done. It was more around how you trained and that you that you hope what you did in the training would come out into the game. You spoke about solving solving problems. To, to me, that seems like something that's really important in in player development. Um, and first of all, I mean, I'd be interested to hear if if you feel the same. And if so, what does the Wolves Academy do to encourage players to solve problems within training sessions? Well, I, I think, like I said, I think that. You know, something I say a lot to young players is that they can all solve it two days later or they can all solve it after watching an analysis. But the key really is to be able to solve it on the pitch. So that can be supported by questions from the from the coaches from the side. So, okay, what's the problem? Um, what's their shape? Um, do you know what I mean? So I think you can ask questions within the game to certain captains or but also within the first 10 minutes of a game, you sort of set them a game plan of, okay, in the first 10 minutes, the captain should have a little look and, and communicate with the coach to say, okay, at younger ages especially, we don't always know what the opposition are going to do. So again, we are looking to create players who are more problem solvers than always looking to the side of the pitch and saying, coach, can you solve this for us? And I think the better players will solve the problems quicker because they will see what's going on. Um, and as I said before, I don't want it solving after the game. Mm. I want it solving in the moment uh, or after some reflection in the game and recognition of where the problems are coming from. And then adapting. I mean, obviously, particularly at academy level, there is a trade-off between player development and getting a result um, and progressing as a team. What what advice do you give to coaches in stepping off and allowing players that time and space to solve these problems? Yeah, I think you have to you have to recognise first that they're only children, so don't expect them, them to be tactical geniuses. That's you know that's. Um, you know, that's the wrong. I think in your training, you can be asking them to solve problems and putting different scenarios against them to, to hopefully help them. Then give them a time to reflect. And then hopefully over a process of time, they'll be able to see it. Um, and again, sometimes I think coaching is not always about telling them what to do. It's about the questions, telling them to, to understand what the problems are. Um, and, and then probably they understand what the problems are, but help them to also feel they've got the power to deal with it. And if they make a mistake, that's not a problem. Sometimes if you if you ask a player to solve it and he gets it wrong, and then you're sort of you're critical of him for doing that, then I think that can be a mistake. If he makes a decision and tries to do something to change it or solve the problem and gets it wrong, I don't think that's a problem. That's still a, what I would say is a success because the players are thinking about what's going on and how they're going to do it. That's really interesting. Um, ultimately, and it's the same with coaches. It's the same with coaches. If you've won at the weekend, rather than just walking off and patting yourself on the back, or the team's played really well and performed, you know, but it's, it's ultimately got to be why. Mm. You know, and you want the players to understand why they've been successful, you know, rather than just let's just forget about it and let's move on. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. The the recruitment side of academies for for me, what I what I think of when I think of recruitment in academies is is the sort of legions of scouts going out on a Sunday morning and and looking at players to bring in, particularly at a younger age. Um, and I know obviously there are pre academies as well. Is is that still very much the case, or is this starting to be a more analytic approach to bringing younger players in, or is that just not possible? I, th- I think ultimately um, recruitment's the most important part of any academy, in my opinion. So you can have, you can have the best coaches in the world, but if the co- players aren't very good, you might make them a little bit better. So recruitment's always going to be key for every club, and whether and, and bringing them at six, seven, eight um, will, will always be part. Is very much the most competitive age of recruitment, unfortunately, in football. Um, do I agree with it? Um, I think that when they come in at that age, um, we don't really coach them; we just let them play, uh, and, and probably puts a little bit of structure around them in terms of understanding the pitch. But we don't tell them what to do, how to do it. And at the moment, I see some really talented young players around. And I think that in this country at the moment, we're we're really sort of um, starting to see some. And again, across all the levels of academy football, I see some really highly talented footballers. So um, I think that it's not really changed that they're still coming at that age, but also they're coming at later ages. You know, we will have open trials at 14s, 13s, 12s, 15s, because the kids who suddenly start playing football, the kids who suddenly start developing physically and, and will suddenly change. So I think your you sort of recruitment market has got to be as open as it possibly can. And, and, and always also recognize that as boys might come in at nine, might be the best players, but at 12, they may not be or 14. Uh, so, Players are constantly changing. Some decide they don't want to do it. But I think along that way, you've got to be yeah, as open as you possibly can to, to the to the talent that's out there. One thing that um, I, feel, I feel Wolves have been particularly successful where they've had their edge in recent times is with their recruitment. And I guess this question is leaning more towards 16s, 18s and 23s. I'd love to hear the process that goes into recruiting players at an older age, I guess leading up to the first team. How much emphasis is put on data analysis, on scouting, on seeing a player with your own eye? Um, what's the sort of trade-off there, and, and what are your own thoughts on the process as a whole? Yeah, I, I think it's a. I, I think that I don't think it's one one size fits all. I think everybody's different, but I think you have to look at everything when you recruit a player. So, firstly, does he fit in how you play? Should be you know the first thing. You know, has he got the the sort of criteria, the profile of what you're looking for? So. You know, if we talk about certain positions in the wolf system, they have to have certain technical things they have to do to play that position. So if we're going to sign somebody who plays in the same position as Ruben Nevers, he's got to be a good long, long, long passer, whilst he's not going to fit into the system. So there's certain criteria that way. So you know, you, you may be looking at data in terms of his passing range, in terms of his passing success. Um, so yeah, I but I think, but I think you have to go more than that and deeper into that. I think I need to know about him as a person. I need to know about him, what he's like when things are going well. I need to know about him when things are not going so well. I need to know him about what's he like off the pitch. I need to know about the family. So I think when you're going into signing players at that age group, there is so much more than just data on his playing or, or a scout saying yeah, he's a good player. So I think that the, the, the scouting and recruitment nowadays is, is, is a lot more in, in a lot more depth. That's so interesting. I mean, you said about this looking at the same position as Neves. Do you use, I mean, would you look at sort of Neves' data at a certain age or 
statistics at a certain age and would you look to compare players with that or I, I mean are you even looking at data to highlight potential players from different leagues or from from England uh, or just the British leagues in general I think I think as a as a club we'll look at players and clubs that play in the similar system so you know if a player plays understands three at the back he's a centre back then obviously he understands the system that transition will be easier um but I think you know football's never black and white. You know, Conor Cody was a, a midfield player for you know for probably ten, twelve years, and all of a sudden, and all through his development, and now plays in the middle of a of a three at Wolves and looks you know like a top top player. So I think sometimes you also have to try people in different positions within the football club. We'll always do that. But I think yeah, if you've got some data that says this is how he plays, this is the speed he runs at, or these are his strengths, uh, then I think you have to look at the, you know. The Conor Cody position's a massive position for communication. So, you know, if you watch Conor play, his communication's outstanding. So if we're recruiting younger players, then we need to see them communicate. Uh, if they don't talk, then probably not, they're not going to fit into the system. If they're a young player, then it's something we have to develop in them because uh, obviously we've got time and we have to give them opportunity to talk more, whether that's on the pitch or off the pitch. Mm. I, I would imagine as um, as an academy manager... Probably, I mean, one of the most important, if not the most important parts of your job is that player development and pathway. And just from hearing you talk, I've already got this sort of vibe from you that you take a holistic approach to this. Um, I'd be interested to hear the analysis side of player development and pathway and what measures Wolves use to help those players reach first team football all the way from sort of six, seven years old up to first team. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think when the Obviously, very young. Between we signed them off officially at nine, so between nine and twelve, it's you know it's just basically about having fun, learning the game, uh, and, and just settling into the academy football. You know, there's a lot of pressure on at that age, um, and you know if if I had my way, I wouldn't. I, I, I would have no boys released up to twelve. I think they should just come in and play and enjoy themselves. And, and in our academy, we very very rarely release boys at that age. If anybody leaves, it's in a lot of time, it's because it's their decision. Um, and I think we're at a stage now as the academy where we're getting to that stage where, yeah, more, once players are in, they're in. Um, so I think we look at very much um, at that younger age, just the technical uh, abilities and, and, and potentials and, and probably areas we think that, we, we, that may be something that may fall down in the future. But we will take boys on who are probably physically very good as well um, and, and, and work with them technically. So we'll have certain areas where we'll work a little bit more on them. Uh, if boy needs more physical development, then we'll work on that. As they get into the older age groups, then, yeah, I think it's about playing them different positions, uh, supporting them, doing a lot of individual analysis, a lot of individual technical work, sometimes around their positions, sometimes very much in, in, in sort of freestyle of it. I think um, we don't really get into the sort of data probably um, – probably till around about 16 when we start to look at them and compare them to players above. Uh, but again, once you know that, we can look at first-team players in terms of what they're hitting. And especially 23s and 18s, we can use that as evidence to say somebody's doing well or is not. So I think it more, more in the older age groups, the data comes in. At the younger age groups, it's more about technical and, and tactical problem and more sort of psychological and social in their behaviours and, and their values. Okay. Well, one thing um, that I found particularly interesting um, when I was talking to an analyst from Arsenal is he spoke to me about how they use um, sets of data that they record for every sort of academy team from from years gone by. And so the idea, the general idea, mm -hmm. is that they can see 
what Jack Wilshere was as a 15-year-old and where their current 15-year-old centre midfielder is and where they need to develop, where they need to, uh, or where they're already very strong at, and they can see sort of where this player might go with his career. Do you do, you do something similar with, with that with Wolves? Or do, I mean, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Um, I don't disagree with it. I think if you've got sort of, you know, I think if you've got KPIs that say this boy's got potential, um, I think it's sometimes very difficult. So my experience of working with elite players, so if I look at Kyle Walker, who plays for England and, and Man City, I had him as a young boy at Sheffield United. He, you know, he nearly got released at 16. And if you looked at his KPIs as a 15, 16-year-old, you probably would have gone, no, there's nothing really there because he was a, a striker and he was physically a late developer. David Brooks, another one I worked with at Man City. You know, if you look at players at that age, if you go KPIs on children, you can sometimes come unstuck. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit more wary on that. But if, if you've got evidence to say, yeah, this player's got doing this at this age, then, I, you know, I think that by all means use it. But I don't really want to get uh, bogged down by it at that age. If I'm, But just by purely by, you know, I've been in this a long time uh, and I've seen lots of young players that have, Surprised and lots of players who were outstanding at 14 and 15 doing these great KPIs at 17 are finished. So sometimes you've got to go, yeah, you use, you use your, your data and your KPIs. Sometimes you've got to also use your eyes and your experience as well. Yeah, and I, I guess I'd just like to build on that answer. So you said, you know, he was he was a forward. At what point do you say they are no longer a forward? They're a right back. And, you know, do you use KPIs? Or, as you said, do you use your eyes to sort of make that decision? I think sometimes you look at players and some players will have uh, physical capabilities to play certain positions. There's no doubt that, you know, if, if, if you know, if you're going to be five foot nine, then you're never going to be a centre back. So, but yeah, you look at things and we, we looked at, I didn't look at Kyle. It was one of the other coaches that looked at Kyle and thought, yeah, he's good technically. And it was possibly a way to get him on the pitch a little bit. But then when he went to there, he sort of started to really thrive. Uh, he always had really good technical ability. And then all of a sudden, his physical ability came, and obviously he grew a lot. And then, you know, within a short spell, uh, came in as a scholar and, and, and started to show a lot of potential to really start to propel forward, really. So, um, like I say, it's very difficult because you're dealing with children. You're dealing with children are growing to say, this is this player is going to be this. But I think you have to look at all eventualities, you know, um, and, and every player before, you know, it's, it's commonly said in, in, in academy football is, you know, before you release anybody, you always play them in a different position. And I, and I think, it, you know, it's an old-fashioned saying, but I think it can be very true. The, the, the last sort of thing I'd like to ask you about in terms with um, your role with the academy is as a, as a manager, as an academy manager, how do you change your approach to going and giving advice, coaching or watching let's say, an under-12 team compared to going and watching the under-18s, under-16s? Yeah, I think ultimately when I'm watching when I'm watching the, the, all the different teams, I think that's probably two key things I'm looking for is uh, identity. So are we playing our way? Are we playing the world's way? And then have we got good players? And and, and I'm not going to you know lie, I will focus more on the elite players in each group. Mm. You know, And if I'm having a conversation with somebody at half-time, post-game, during the game, I'll probably try and focus on the elite players in the group. That might be sometimes to challenge them to do more. That might be sometimes to ask them questions. But ultimately, you're trying to help all the players if you can. And sometimes I won't say anything. You know, if the players don't need my help, then we'll leave them to get on with it. Uh, sometimes if the players are struggling, you can sometimes help them. Sometimes you might leave them to struggle because sometimes you can learn more when they're struggling as well. And that's the time to reflect afterwards. And you can ask, certainly ask them questions around that situation they're struggling in. 
Um, yeah, so it, it changes. You know, the younger ages, it's all about sometimes it might be nothing about football. It might be a bit of fun, um, you know, um, sometimes with the older ones and it gets a little bit more serious as it gets to 18s and 23s. And obviously you, you, you're there to watch and, and see what's going on and uh, support the players if they need it. Might be during the game, might be after the game, might be at half time. So I think it's it, yeah, it's not one size fits all, and it's certainly adaptable to different ages. And um, you know, I've said it before. Sometimes you know you need to change your head for different age groups and and, and speak to them in different ways. Is it? I mean, I, this is more specifically with Wolves. Is it a close relationship with the the first team and the academy? Um, how do you sort of get that first team culture across? I, I know that sort of the big thing when the, I when they talk about teams like Ajax or Feyenoord is that they make a big thing of you being at the best club in the world, that when you get promoted to the first team, that is a huge deal. Is it something similar with Wolves? Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, like I said, all my experience of working academy football, the most important part of it all in development is opportunity. So is that boy walking in that building each morning thinking, I've got an opportunity for the manager to have a look at me. And Nuno doesn't have a massive first team squad. Uh, probably only has about 18 outfield players. Uh, two goalkeepers. Um, so uh, most days, the lads know they've got a chance to train with the first team. And that's an opportunity to get themselves in the manager's eye. The manager to, to say, yes, I like this player, or I'm not sure he's ready for us. So I think if you've got the opportunity, that means that there's a relationship. Uh, there's lots of conversations over the year um, um, with the coaches and with myself about players. Um, you know, and, and in the last, you know, since Nuno's taken over, you know, Morgan... Gibbs White, Max Kuhlman, uh, Oscar Bear, Andres Sondergaard, the players who are more or less in the first team squad all the time. We've got Matt Doherty from before. Uh, so, yeah, I think that the players at Wolves are very lucky and, and, and do feel there's an opportunity. And it, and it makes my job as a academy manager a lot easier. Okay, I'd love to, to move on now to uh, you as an individual and your experience with analysis. Um, what tools do you prefer to use? Uh, either to enhance your analysis or just to analyse something in general? Um, I think that there's, there's times when I like to watch the game, the full game, and just get a feel for it. There'll be times I just like to watch certain individuals. There'll be times I'll say to analysis lads, get me a clips of a certain player. I want to have a conversation with him. Or I want to really uh, make sure that what I'm seeing, I'm seeing. So I think, I, again, I will try and use it across, uh, in all different ways. Uh, sometimes I'll use it to watch a coach. Um, especially before, you know, if we're going to have a, an appraisal of his year or his six months, then it's certainly, you know, I can't watch every game. Uh, so I think I will use it across sort of orders. I'll use it very much in terms of a, of a checking the philosophy and the best practice. Uh, that's something that I really want to see. So as I said before, whether that's first team, if we can get back best practice videos across all the age groups from first team down to nines, and it looks consistent, that, that again is something that, again, what I said before backs up my search for the identity. Um, I, I get the feeling, and, and if, if I'm wrong, please please tell me, but I get the feeling that you lean more towards using video analysis rather than necessarily looking at data analysis. I mean, and if that's true, if that's true, then why is that? But, I mean, it may not be. Yeah, I, I certainly use data in terms of um, physical, um, you know, tell me about, uh, show me the stats on this guy's physicality. If we're going to, if we've got a boy and we're not sure about him, we'll tell me about his uh, is, is testing. If there's a boy we're really sure about, well, tell me about his testing. Is he is he elite? Is he not elite? So there'll be things we're looking at all the time. Um, looking at his maturation. So where's he at in his maturation? 
Um, uh, so there's, you know, you can use all sorts of data to sort of back up your views. Um, ultimately, I want to watch them as a footballer, and I, I and I think probably certainly at my age, you know, um, that I can certainly see some indicators of things that for me because our experiences of showing a player who's got a lot of potential. If you can give me all the data that to back that up uh, or not, then I think you know I will look at everything really to try and sort of make that. A consistent view of over a player. Yeah, and if if let's say the data didn't back that up, is that a big thing for you? Would you go right? Maybe maybe I need a second opinion on this player. Then yeah, I think second opinion. I think that you know if you look at football, that you know there's certain you know um, you know in the modern world every footballer's got to be six foot two. He's got to be quick. He's got to be an athlete. And then I watch our first team player, and probably our best player is probably João Moutinho. He's probably five foot eight. Not a great athlete, but. A, 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 a fantastic player and probably because if I looked at his possession stats if I looked at how much he keeps the ball how much he passes the ball then that would be my evidence to say that uh, Jean Martin is a top player uh, how many times he lands on second balls his anticipation is something that's not always talked in in about footballers but in my opinion is a massive indicator of a top player so you know you can but I can see that with my eyes every time he lands on a second ball I can see that his anticipation is something that I can see if there's data that will back that up for me and say that Joe picked up 85% of second balls, then again, that can all back up for me to look at somebody who's a top player, but he's not six foot two. He can't do the 100 metres in 8.9 seconds. So I think that every player will bring his own um, KPIs to a game. If yeah, that makes absolutely. Sense. I mean, if we look at analysis as a whole, what, what do you think the, the shortcomings of sort of football analysis as it stands right now are? I think that just to be generic can be dangerous, you know, to be generic about players and what they should look like. And you know, I played with top some top, top players who weren't um, you know, athletically fantastic, uh, who weren't technically unbelievable. But you know, a, a big thing I look at in terms of my KPIs is decision making. And decision making on footballers for me, I think some most I see boys who can do unbelievable things with the ball. Uh, you know, and I watch them individually, uh, do tricks, do skills. And then, but they can't make a good decision on the pitch. They don't know when to use it, how to use it. So then, so it, again, it's for me is defining what a top mm. player is. And I think sometimes the, I think defining that can sometimes be very open. Absolutely. I mean, do do you find within the Wolves Academy that that what you define as a top player would possibly vary? If you asked, if you went, let's say you went up to the senior squad and asked the coaches there, or if you had a discussion with the other Wolves Academy coaches, do you think that there is a, a difference in opinion or do you think that Wolves Wolves know exactly what sort of player they see as a top player? I think if you speak to anybody in football you know, on a daily basis, you'll have 500 different opinions on players. That's what makes it so interesting. You know, what what is a great player for me can be completely different to you. So I, I don't think, I think each person's got an opinion and should be valid and should be listened to. Um um, and, and people will bring me things about somebody's physicality and I will bring something about, about his intelligence. So I think there's, like I said, there's, there's so many different facets that go into be a top player, but it's very difficult to put down to say it's this, it's that, that you should only judge players on this. Uh, you know, I see some fantastic athletes uh, about, but, but, you know, probably, and again, like the technical ones, but aren't great decision makers. So they don't always bring their athleticism to, to the pitch. Where do you see analysis? going in the future do you think that it's going to have 
a bigger role? Do you think it's at that sort of level right now where it, it's perfect as it is? I think that it will get, uh, um, yeah, I think it's going to delve deeper and deeper and I think it'll become more individual. I think that where we're trying to use it is, is certainly to, to sort of give us a KPIs for the philosophy and the system and why it works well, you know, whether that's distances between lines, whether that's distances between midfield players without the ball. I really want us to, as I said before earlier, you know, you need to understand why. You know, why, why have we won today? Why have we made 12 interceptions? What, what are the reasons why? So we're compact. So what are those distance of compactness? I think teams will delve a lot more into um, how they play. I think they'll delve a lot more into the individual and why is it successful. Um, but I don't think you should ever really forget about, you know, that, that football is, is is very much a, a moving, flowing game that's not always uh, easy to prescribe. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your for your time today, Scott. I mean, just so many things here to to really um, take on and just sort of think about for a while. I mean, you made some wonderful points, and um, I'll definitely be revisiting this podcast myself just to listen through and, and really take on all the answers. It's been fantastic. Um, thank you so much for your time, and um, thank you for listening. And we'll be back again later this week with another interview.